Sometimes I like to start off with something funny. Today is one of those days because I'm in a joking mood. It's the story of this kid, and this particular kid, he prays every single night. So he just got an eating dinner with his mom. He said, Mom, I'm finna go to the room and pray. And she's like, okay, son, go pray. He said, I'm going to pray right now. She said, okay, baby, go pray. He said, I'm about to go pray. She said, okay, baby, go pray. So the little boy, he goes inside his room, and he kneels down before his bed. And he's like, God, I pray right now that you would just bless mom. And God, I pray you would bless God. And God, I just pray, God, you would bless dad. And God, I pray, God, that you would just bless my aunt and my uncles and my cousins. Oh, yeah, and God, I also pray that for Christmas you would get me a brand new bike. I repeat, God, I want a brand new bike. And his mom runs in the room. She's like, son, son, what's going on? Why are you yelling? God can hear you. He said, yeah, mom, I know God can hear me. I'm just trying to make sure you can. (laughs) I don't know how much money God got, but I know how much money you got. Because he rides on a donkey. You ride a Denali. So I'm just saying, I got to make sure you can hear this prayer. (laughs) And so many times we, we pray to God, but really we're not looking for God to move. We're looking for people to move. And I want you to know when you pray to God, expect God to move. Believe that God will move. Receive that God will move. So I want to ask you a question, and I want to I be real today. And I want you to be real with me. I want to ask you a real question. The question is, why pray? Why? Why pray? Let's think about it. Let's just take a moment and let's just think together. Who in here believes God has all power? Who believes God has all might? Who believes God is all-knowing? He's omniscient. Who believes he's omnipotent? He's all-powerful. So let me ask you a question. If God is all-knowing, if God is all-powerful, if God has all authority, and God is the king of the universe, right? Which means God can technically do whatever he wants, right? So if God has all this power, all this wisdom, all of this might, and he has all of this sovereignty, and if God can do whatever he wants, why should you pray? I mean, I mean, if God wanted to heal you, he would heal you, right? If God wanted to fix your marriage, he would fix it, right? If God wanted to bless you, he would bless you, right? So if God wanted to do it, why are you praying? Why does your prayer matter? Let me ask you an arrogant question. Do you think when you pray... You actually command God to do what you want? Is God a genie? Why pray? Why pray? And you got to think about it, y'all. I want to I show you something with prayer. I want to I add a little tension here. Sometimes you guys, so, sometimes you'll pray, and you'll, let's say hypothetically you pray for a new job. And you get the job. And you're like, God bless me with that job. Sounds good. But what happened to Rosie that don't believe in God that got hired too? Did your prayer really get you the job? Or was, or was it your resume? Did prayer really work? What happened when you pray for that person that was sick and nothing happened? Then you pray for that girl you didn't like and she got healed. Why when you pray, have anyone had a sick family member? Someone that was sick. I remember someone that meant so much to me. They were sick, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, and nothing happened. And I was angry because I had prayed, and I've seen people healed. I've seen people restored. I prayed for someone's death, and their ears opened. Why the person I love so much I keep praying for, and they're not being healed? Or what about that child you consistently pray for, and they won't come back to Jesus 
But then you pray for the girl that works. You're like, I just want to repent. Just come back to God. Like, why? Do your prayers really matter? Do, do God really hear your prayers? And before you arrogantly say yes, are you sure? Yes. Because if you're sure, how often do you pray? How often? You got to be honest with yourself. How often do you pray? Because if you truly believe God heard you, if you truly believe God moved, if you truly believe God changed things, you would always pray. You would never stop praying. You, 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 you would pray consistently. And what is prayer? Is prayer just asking God to meet your request? Or is it communion with God? Is it relationship with God? The Bible says that we are to pray without ceasing. In other words, we are to continuously pray and pray and pray and pray some more. And to keep praying and keep praying and keep praying. When it's good, pray. When it's bad, pray. Because praying is not just asking God for something. Praying is connecting with God. The Bible says Adam walked and talked with the, in the cool of the day with God. That is prayer when you walk and talk in the cool of the day with God. Smith Wigglesworth, he was known for miraculously healing people. Like if you, if you had like a tumor in your head, he would come and punch you in your head and the tumor would leave. If you had a broke leg, he would kick you in it and it would come straight. If your back was broke, he would elbow you in the back and your back would pop in place. He was an anointed man of God. These are historical records. You can look them up. They were in newspapers. And here's what he said about prayer. He said, I usually... Never pray longer than 30 minutes, and I usually never go 30 minutes without praying. I usually never pray longer than 30 minutes, and I usually never go 30 minutes without praying. In other words, he said, prayer is not something I do. Prayer is who I am. Prayer is a lifestyle. I walk with God and talk with God and live with God and breathe with God and eat with God and dine with God. I'm always with God. I'm praying without ceasing. Because prayer is powerful. God said the fervent prayers of the righteous avail it much. Prayer is effective. Prayer is dynamite. And I want you to know something. When you pray to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, all power of heaven is backing you. I was watching this show called Superman and Lois. And whenever Lois would get in trouble or she would get lonely, anything she needs, she would just push this button. And then a second Superman would pull up. And many of you, if you had Superman on speed dial, you would always press the button. But you got God on speed dial, you never press the button. You got someone that's stronger than Superman, Batman, Thor. You got the most powerful being in the universe that's not only on your side, that's your father. The Bible says we can crowd and crowd, Abba, Father, which means source. He's the source of your life and the source of your being. And many of you guys only pray when you're in trouble. You treat prayer like a spare tire. You just keep it in the trunk of your life just in case something goes flat. But prayer shouldn't be a spare tire. Prayer shouldn't be something on the back burner. Prayer should be on the front burner. Prayer shouldn't be your last resort. It should be your first response. Prayer shouldn't be your last resort. It should be your first response. I don't pray last. I pray first. I don't pray when the situation ends. I pray when the situation begins. Praise God. Men ought to always pray. Now, I want to show you something with prayer. If you have your Bibles, go to Psalm 138. Psalms 138. The first question I want to answer is, does your prayers move God and why? Does your prayers move God and why? Because if you think about the concept of prayer, 
It's such an arrogant concept if you really think about it. Because pretty much at, at prayer, you're pretty much saying, right, that when I speak and say something, A, God drops what he's doing and he comes and talks to me. And when I pray about something, God moves and he fixes it or he handles it or at least he should or I'm mad at him. So there's this arrogant premise of prayer. And the truth is, is it true? And if it is true, why? Why does your prayer command heaven? Why does it move heaven? Why is it effective? Why does it work? Why? I'm going to show you something. And I'm going to give you context of why you should pray and why your prayer matters and why your prayer works. Psalms 138 verse 2. It says, I will worship towards your holy temple and praise your name. Everyone say your name. For your loving kindness and your truth. Everyone say your truth. For you have put your word above all your name. We're going to read this last sentence together. Say, for you have put... Your word above all your name. Whoa, 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 whoa. Do you understand the magnitude of that verse? God said he put his word above his name. Above means it sits in a higher seat. It has a higher authority. It has more, it has more rights. It has more decision-making power. Let me give you someone's name. Um, if you call me and you say, hey, Pastor KJ, I want you to meet with me. When I come, everything about me comes. My mind comes. My intellect comes. My bank account comes. My, 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 everything connected to me comes. My truck comes. Everything attached to me comes. So when you call my name, you get everything attached to me. So when you talk about the name of God, you're talking about the power of God, the essence of God, the splendor of God, the authority of God, the miracle-working power of God. The Trinity, the Holy Ghost, everything is attached to his name, and he submitted his name to his word. And why did God do that? The reason why God did that is because God is a God of submission. God says everything in the universe should be submitted. Wives are submitted to husbands. Husbands are submitted to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is submitted to Christ. Christ is submitted to the Father, and the Father is submitted to his word. He submitted to his word. Kids are submitted to their parents. So the father is submitted to his word. And the problem is in his word, it says he's not a man that he shall lie. So his word says under no condition can God lie. So guess what? God has all power until he speaks. Because when God speaks, he can't lie. So his truth boxes him in and stops him from being able to do certain things. So when God destroyed the world with water, when God said, I'll never destroy the world with water again, guess what? God can't destroy the, water, the world with water again. He has the power to do it, but he doesn't have the right to do it because when he said he wouldn't do it, he can't lie. So when God speaks, his word, makes it, his word is absolute. When God speaks, his word is law. The Ten Commandments ain't just the law. The whole Bible is the law. Whatever God says is absolute. Whatever God says is law. So when God says, you're the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath, when God says that, it is law. When God says that, he can't violate it. So whenever God speaks, it is truth. It is absolute. 
So let me tell you something that God said that kind of tied his hands. And I kind of feel like God shouldn't have said it. But God is smarter than me. He said, my way, my ways is not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. God said something in Genesis 1 and 26 through 28. God said he gave dominion to mankind. Dominion comes from the word kingdom. It means king dominion. God gave mankind king dominion, which means absolute authority on earth. That's dangerous, God. Why would you give it to man? Why would you give us absolute authority on earth? Because when you give us absolute authority on earth, God, that means that anything divine, anything spiritual has to work through mankind. That's why you can't physically see God. That's why you don't physically see angels or demons unless God opens up your spiritual eyes because they're illegal on this planet. And the reason why they're illegal is because God gave dominion to man. Only man can rule down here. Only man can be seen. Only man has authority. Now, that may seem very abstract, but let me prove it to you. When Sodom and Gomorrah was running rampant and there was sin all over the earth, God wanted to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. So he went and he talked to Abraham. He said, Abraham, I'm burning Sodom. I want to burn Sodom and Gomorrah down. And Abraham said, God, wait, wait, wait. What if I found 50 righteous? Would you spare it? Wait, God said he wanted to do something. And a man named Abraham has his nerves to negotiate with God, to counteract God. And then guess what God said? God said, okay, if you found 50 righteous, I won't burn it down. In other words, God had a plan, and a man said no, and God paused. And then Abraham left, and he went to go try to find 50 righteous. And he like, <laughs> down here getting it in those streets, God. Um, they're a little ratchet back there, Lord. What about 45? God said, okay, 45. God, the party's just jumping. It's just Saturday. It's a little crazy in them streets. But God, wait till Monday. That's a day of business and commerce. And then he said, he said, okay, okay. What about 40? God, God, just 40, 40. God said, okay. He went, couldn't find 40. He said, 30. God said, okay. He's keep countering with God. And God is saying, okay. Then he said, what about 20? God said, okay. He said, all right, God. Now, you said where two or three is gathered, you will be in the midst. God, what about ten? I know we can find ten. It's me, Lot. There's ten of us at least. I got some folks in my house. Hold on, God. I'll be, I'll be right back. Yeah, God. Uh, they're not as saved as I thought they was in my house. Um, go ahead and burn it down, Lord. We're going to move up out of here. And then God sent a death angel and he Burned Sodom and Gomorrah down. But he reverenced Abraham before he ever moved. Why? Because God has the power to burn it, but Abraham has the authority to call for it. And heaven's power is waiting on earth to demand it to come down. Let me prove it again. The Israelites was in bondage, and God wanted to free them. And God said, I want to free my people. And then he came to Moses, and Moses is like, God, why are you coming to me? If you want to free them, free them. I'm not a man that I should lie. And I said in my word, you have dominion, which means if I want to do it in the earth, I need you. And then he partnered with Moses, and then Moses let off his staff. The Red Sea parted. God freed his people. 
This works both ways. The same thing with the devil. That's why when the devil wanted to tempt Adam and Eve, he didn't go himself. He had to go into a serpent. He had to get in the body to get his will done. He came in the serpent and he spoke through the snake to get to the man. Because if the devil wants his will done, it has to be done through a man. It goes both ways. It has to be done through a man. It has to be done through mankind. And I want to tell you something, Radiant Church. God wants to get his will done in Tetracanum. God wants to get his will done in this earth. God wants to get his will done in America. And God is asking you and me, can he shake hands with us? Can he partner with us? Can we use our authority to call down heaven's fire? If you say, I will use my authority, I will use my heart, and I will use the authority that God has given me to call down fire, give God a crazy praise break. Oh, come on, you can get louder than that. I give you one better. Let me give you one better. Have you ever wondered why Jesus had to go through the most gruesome crucifixion ever? Like, have you ever just sat down and thought like, okay, we sinned. Why did Jesus have to come and go through this most gruesome crucifixion? The reason why he had to go through this gruesome crucifixion was because man sinned against God. Which means man has debt against God. God can't pay for man's debt. God can't pay for man's debt. So God looked for a perfect man to pay for the debt, and he couldn't find one, so he stepped out of heaven and became one. And he came in a person of Jesus because it took a man to die for sin, to pay for sin. That's, that, that's why Jesus, you got to understand something, the second member of the Trinity, the Spirit of God, came inside of a man. Jesus was fully God, he was fully man. Why did he have to come as a man? Because man had authority. So man had to die. Man transgressed against God. Man had to die for it. So Jesus, because he couldn't find a perfect man that could de- de- satisfy the demands of God, a holy, righteous God, he had to satisfy those demands himself. Friends, this is the gospel. This is all through your Bible. Read it. That's why God is using men. That's why God is using donkeys. That's why God is using people and Daniel and and Moses and all of these people in the Bible because God spoke and he gave us dominion. If he never did it, he wouldn't need us. But God wanted to need us. He wanted to. Let me show you something real, real fast, church. There's a difference between power and authority. There's a difference between power and authority. you got to understand something. God wanted heaven and earth to kiss. God wanted heaven and earth to agree. So what God did to keep heaven and earth interlinked, God said, here's what I'm going to do. Heaven will keep the power and earth will steward the authority. Let me show you power and authority. A police officer's gun is his power. His badge is his authority. His gun is his power. His badge is his authority. His gun is his might. His badge is his right to use the might. God has the gun in heaven. He has all might, all power. But he's waiting on us to use our authority so he can use his might. 
God is saying, I gave earth the badge, but heaven kept the gun. And when earth and heaven touch, the badge and gun comes together and a miracle can happen. But heaven and earth has to touch. And when heaven and earth touches, something powerful happens. A miracle happens. You look like you don't believe me. Let me prove it. If you have your Bibles, go to 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Sorry about that. Am I preaching good? It says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and heal their sin and heal their land. He hears from heaven power and heals their land authority. Wait, 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 wait. You missed it. You missed it. You missed it. God said, if, if. In the Hebrew, if means if. <laughs> That's what it means. In the Greek, it means if. In the Aramaic, it means if. <laughs> And if means depending on, it means depending on, like, like there's a, condi- it's a condition. If, if is a conditional word. It's a contrasting word. So God is saying if, in other words, if means if we don't hold up our side of the deal, God won't hold up his side of the deal. If means if we don't use our authority, God won't use his power. If we don't use our authority, God won't use his power. How could the healing of the land be tied down to if a man prayed? Could the healing of your family be tied down to if you prayed? Could the restoration of your job be tied down to if you prayed? Could the breakthrough in your church be tied down to if you prayed? Could your daughters and your son's salvation be tied to if you prayed? If, if, if. Wow, we see it so clear in the word that an unlimited God has limited his powers to the prayers of men. An unlimited God has limited his powers to the prayers of men. In other words, God is saying, if you don't intercede, I won't interfere. If you don't intercede, I won't interfere. If you don't intercede, I won't interfere. The the interference of God is based on the intercession of man. That's crazy. That's crazy. Ivan, can you come up here real fast? Come up here real quick, Ivan. Come up here. I'm going to show you something, church. I'm going to show you something. I'm going to show you something. Stand right here. Okay, church, check this out. My shirt says, on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. The miracle, the breakthrough, the power of God is to make two things match. It's to make earth and heaven agree. Earth and heaven to agree. Earth and heaven to agree. Everything in the world is about earth and heaven agreeing. If earth and heaven can agree, power happens. If earth and heaven agrees, a miracle happens. What is a miracle when earth and heaven agrees? So, 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 here's God. He's in heaven. And he has the power. And we're on earth with the authority. So someone is sick at your job. And heaven says, I have the power, but it's looking for a hand to shake. And if earth and heaven shakes hands, 
the healing happens. God wants to restore our city. Heaven has the power, but it's looking for a hand to shake. I'm telling you, God is always looking for a hand to shake. When God wanted to deliver the Israelites, he was looking for a hand to shake. When God wanted to deliver the Israelites from the Philistines, David, he was looking for a hand to shake. When God wanted to show his power and that his people went back down, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he was looking for a hand to shake. John the Baptist, when we needed to pioneer the way of Christ, he was looking for a hand to shake. I'm going to tell you something. When man exposed God and when man went submit to God, God came down and said, because you won't shake my hand, I'll shake my own hand. Jesus and the Father was God shaking hands. God shaking his own hand. And God is asking you right here in church, can he trust you? Can he shake your hand? Will you touch and agree with him? Because if you touch and agree with heaven, things will change. Things will move. The atmosphere will be different. Can God shake your hand? And the reason why Jesus did the miracle every time, the healing every time, the blessing every time, every time he tried to walk on water, he did. When he multiplied food, it multiplied every time. Because, Ivan, hold your hand out. He was always a hand willing to shake. Thank you, Ivan. You can be seated. Agreement. 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 And the thing you got to understand is prayer is designed to bring heaven to earth. Prayer is designed to bring heaven to earth. On earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. This little boy was trying to explain his experience on the elevator. He said, Mom, Mom, I went into this little room, I pressed a button, and upstairs came downstairs. I'm going to tell you, when you go into a little room and pray, and push a button called prayer, up there will come down here, and heaven will touch earth, and the will of God will invade the will of man. But you got to push the button called prayer. Your prayer can change everything. You are armed and dangerous. Your prayer is more powerful than guns. It's more powerful than bombs. It's more powerful than trains. I want you to know something. You got the word of God on your mouth, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And if you will use the word of God, if you will call our Father down from heaven, he will change our situation down here on earth. Without God, we can't. But without us, God won't. Without God, we can't. He has the power. But without us, God won't. He won't. And just imagine angel armies sitting at the gate of heaven waiting on you to open up your mouth so they can be dispatched to start changing things on your behalf. And the thing, you're scared of a devil that's outnumbered because a third of the angels fell, which means every demon against you is two angels with you. I'm thirsty, y'all. Hold on. Matthew 
16, verse 19. <clears throat> I rebuke my voice going out in Jesus' name. We're going to get this word out today, amen? It says, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. God says he gives you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You got to see it. See, the first thing he said is, I will give you the keys of heaven. Keys. He's talking about revelation, knowledge, or wisdom. So I will give you the revelation, the knowledge, or the wisdom of heaven. That's the starting point. See, we miss it. We thought whatever we bound on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever we loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven. It doesn't start with earth. It starts with heaven. Before you can bind and loose, you first need keys. You need keys first. He said, I will give you the keys of heaven. Then whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. You can't bind and loose without keys. And you got to understand, the word bind means to lock. The word loose means to unlock. Which means if you want to lock things and unlock things, you need the keys of heaven. So as you submit to God and you get your life in order, and I'm going to give you those keys in a second. As you do the right things, heaven will bring you keys. You can't make the keys. You can't create the keys. They're not of earth. They're of heaven. And heaven will bring you keys. I declare heaven, bring me keys. And heaven comes. And heaven brings you keys. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And when heaven gives you keys, now whatever you unlock on earth will be unlocked in heaven because what you're unlocking on earth is already unlocked in heaven. And this door is locked. So maybe, maybe you want to release healing over your family. Maybe you want to release revival over your family. Maybe you want to be free in your body. Maybe you got a sickness or cancer or pain and you're in bondage. And you keep trying to get delivered. You keep trying to get healed. You keep trying to fix your family, but you can't. And the reason why you can't is because it's locked. But God said he would give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you unlock. Let me make sure I unlock this right. Praise God. Whatever you unlock on earth, this ghetto, but we got it, will be unlocked in heaven. Prayer is your door between heaven and earth. It's your door. So if you want to unlock freedom, you need the keys of heaven. If you want to unlock peace, you need the keys of heaven. If you want to unlock joy, you need the keys of heaven. If you want to unlock patience, you need the keys of heaven. But you can't unlock it without keys. 
And maybe you say the enemy is trying to come in your life. The enemy is trying to stop you. The devil and demons are trying to come against you. The Bible says whatever you lock on earth will be locked in heaven. So you can say, devil, I rebuke thee. Devil, I bind thee. You won't touch my kids. You won't touch my house. You won't touch my spouse. I rebuke you, Satan. You are under my feet. And I'm not only closing the door, devil, I'm locking it. And when you lock that door, no demon in hell, because unlock that door, because you got the keys of the kingdom of heaven. You got keys. I'm telling you, devil, right now, I'm using my keys, and I'm locking you out of my life. I'm locking you out of my mind. I am loved. I am accepted. I am forgiven. I won't walk in guilt or shame. Devil, you're locked out of my life. You're locked out of my family. You're locked out of my legacy. My kid won't go through what I went through. Because I got keys. Church, you got keys. And let me tell you something about keys. Not only do you got the keys of the kingdom of heaven, but Satan lost the keys of hell. Because God said he disarmed Satan and he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Devil, you ain't even got your own keys, and you sure ain't getting mine. Keys. Keys. Everyone shout keys. Shout keys. 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 There's eight keys. When the Bible says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom, it was talking about revelation, knowledge, wisdom. Everybody preaches about the keys. No one tells you what they are. Keys, keys. The first key of prayer is selflessness. Selfless. That's why the Bible says, you receive not because you ask not. In the book of James. Or you ask amiss. To ask amiss means to ask and miss. To ask amiss means to act according to your pleasure, your desires, and your delight. That's a missed prayer. That's a selfish prayer. But when you pray in a selfless way, and you don't pray for, for yourself, but you're praying for others. You don't pray for your pleasure. You're praying for God's purpose. That's the first key of prayer. And without this key, there's doors of prayer you would never unlock. And, and, and now you're, you're praying for a new house, and you're praying for a new car, and you're praying for more money, and you're praying these selfish prayers, and they're not being answered because you don't got no key. You're selfish. And if you're not praying selfless, you ain't got a key. The next key is humility. That's why in 2 Chronicles it said, if my people 
who are called by my name will humble themselves, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then, only then, will I hear from heaven. Maybe your prayer isn't being answered because God doesn't even hear it. Because if you don't have humility, God turns his ringer off. You're not humble. His ringer's off. You're calling and he can't even hear it. And you can't have an answer prayer that's not a her prayer. And if you don't come to the spirit of God with humility, he won't even hear you. So that arrogance and that pride you keep going to God with, God, I pray you promote me. Who are you? God bless me. Everybody blessed by me. You should be glad you're not dead. You're arrogant. You're prideful and entitled. You're not humble. And God don't even hear you. Persistence. The Bible says rejoice always and pray. I almost broke on me. <laughs> and pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Continuously praying. Persistently praying. See, you got to understand something. I don't have too much time to break this down. But in the book of Daniel, Daniel prayed to God. And for 21 days, when the angel finally got to Daniel, after 21 days, Daniel prayed 21 days ago. And then the angel said, Daniel, the first day you prayed, God heard you. But the prince of Persia withstood me 21 days. I was fighting with a prince, a palady. A palady is a city. So a principality is a prince over a city or a spirit over a city. And the reason why the principality withheld the angel of God for 21 days, not because he's more powerful or because he has more authority, he withheld the angel of God because he had rights to the city. See, this ain't a physical thing because the Bible says like lightning, Satan was cast out of heaven. This ain't no fight. Lightning is 186,000 miles a second. Like that, the devil was gone. This ain't no fight. However, God is a God of his word and he can't violate it. And he gave the, the, the cities in the world to mankind. So if man used their authority to give the principality legal rights of a city, now angels can't come in and intercede. But God had a just-in-case key, an emergency key, a triumph key called persistence. And God said if you would keep on praying consistently and repetitively, though they have the right to not let the angel of the Lord in, if you keep praying without ceasing, we can use this key to get past this demonic principality to bring your answered prayer. But if he has the city, we can't come in without the persistent key. That's why the Bible talks about the unjust judge. And he was unjust. He didn't fear God or man. 
But the widow kept persisting. Day and night, she kept coming. And she kept coming. And she kept coming. And then finally, he granted her her request. That's the devil. If you keep coming and coming and coming, the devil has to move and give you what belongs to you. Persistence. You can't pray once. Because what you're praying for, the enemy may have rights to through others. But if you persist, God will triumph. This key of persistence will break the lock of the devil. Obedience. The Bible says, whoever keeps my commandment, I abide in him and he abides in me. Obedient. Which means if you're not obedient, God doesn't abide in you. He doesn't abide in you. And if he doesn't abide in you, you don't abide in him. And if you don't abide in him, he doesn't hear your prayers. So maybe, just maybe, your disobedience is causing heaven to not hear you. God told you to serve, you won't. God told you to pray for the girls at your job, you won't. God told you to invite that man to church, you won't. And you take it small. But you're disobeying God. And because you're disobeying God, he don't hear you. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. The Bible says, wherever you stand in prayer, it said, stop. If you got unforgiveness in your heart, and so if you stand in someone to pray, you're like, Father God, stop. It said, and leave. And go and forgive who you're harboring unforgiveness with. Then come back and finish your prayer. Because the problem is, when you don't forgive, God doesn't forgive. And if God doesn't forgive, he don't answer prayers. God answered prayers to the forgiven. And the forgiven is the ones that forgave. If you forgive them of their debts, God will forgive you of your debts. Righteousness. The Bible says the fervent prayers of the righteous avail it much. The word avail it means they're effective. The prayers of the righteous is effective. If you feel like your prayers are ineffective, maybe you're not righteous. What is righteousness? Righteousness means right standing with God. If you don't have right standing with God, your prayers may not avail much. I'm going to have to preach this again next week because I ain't even to my second point. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Prayer is not designed. This is the major key. This is the major key. Prayer is not designed for your will. It's designed for God's will. And the reason why your prayer isn't working is because his kingdom come. His will be done. Do you know prayer is not about the will of man. It's about the will of God. It's about his will. If you are praying your will, 
God has no obligation to answer it. Prayer is about getting his will done. I can really break this down, but I'm almost out of time. Last one, faith. The Bible says, it says, whatever you pray, believe you have received. Wait, wait, that blew my mind. Because I quoted it wrong for years. I preached it wrong. I thought the verse meant, when you pray, believe you will receive. See, God says, when you pray, believe you have received. In other words, God says, when you pray, when you pray, sorry about that. A little clumsy, but we good. God says, when you pray, believe you have received. The reason he said, believe you have received is because when you pray, you receive the keys of the kingdom. And see, you believe when you see the manifestation. You got to believe when you see the keys. When you pray, believe you have received. And if you have received heaven's keys, you receive keys. Heaven provides the keys, man turns the lock. Heaven provides the keys, man turns the lock. The reason why God said, that's like if I said, hey, I want you to go to my house. And at the moment I hand you my key, you believe you have received my house for the weekend. And the reason you believe it, because you got the keys. All you got to do is turn the key and what you pray for is yours. So God is saying this faith thing, you can't believe you will, you have to believe you have. Which means that when you pray, you have to believe angels brought those keys. And if you believe angels brought those keys, turn the lock. Turn the lock. Now, I'm going to get ready to close. Mike can come up as I'm getting ready to close on my last point. There's a problem. And the problem is, the Bible says, oh, this is such a problem. God, God, why do you keep speaking this stuff? This is a big problem. The Bible said, life and death is in the power of your tongue. God said, I set before you blessing and cursing. Choose today, blessing or cursing. God has says, God has says life and death is in the power of your tongue. See, friends, you got to understand something. Satan is anti-Christ. Everyone say anti-Christ. It means opposite of Christ. Satan is the opposite of Christ, which means that if the kingdom of heaven has keys, so does the kingdom of hell. And I studied it last night. I stayed up for y'all, so you better catch this one. This one guy gave me late last night, the midnight hour. You better catch this. I studied it and I saw something that blew my mind. All the things that blocked prayer was the keys in reverse, which means that faith reverse was doubt. When you doubted when you prayed, it blocked prayer. And I looked, God's will, your will blocked prayer. And then I looked, righteousness, and then sin blocked prayer. And then I looked... offense block prayer if you're offended offense means offense it means you're fenced in nothing comes in nothing goes out the anger of hell doesn't go out the love of God doesn't come in you're offense you're capped no pouring in no pouring out 
this offense is so strong because this offense has the power to stop your prayers. Disobedience. Don't obey God. It stops your prayer. Abandon. Abandonment. Stop praying. Even though it's heaven's will. Even though it's your authority and heaven's power, if you abandon prayer, if you stop praying, what's yours can never come. And pride comes before a fall. Pride is what got Satan kicked out of heaven. Pride got kicked out of heaven, and pride won't make you back to heaven. God does not answer prideful prayers. And then selfish. Think of how selfish you are, church. Think of how selfish you are. You only go to God when you're hurting. You only go to God when you're broken. You only go to God when you're going through something. You only go to God when things are bad, when people betray you, when you can't count on nobody. That's the only time you go to God. You don't go to God to love him and to know him and to spend time with him. You just go to take from him. And it's so sad because you missed it. You missed it, church. The reward of prayer is not getting what you pray for. It's getting who you pray to. You missed it. Nothing you ask for is the prize. God is the prize. He is your portion. He is your father. He's your dad. That's what the Bible didn't say. Come to him and say our God who art in heaven. It said come and say our father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. On the earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Because yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power, not authority. Because yours is the authority. And yours is the glory forever. Amen. Prayer isn't about getting stuff, church. Prayer is about getting God. Get Him. Know Him. Love Him. Come every day. You don't have to pray longer than 30 minutes, but you shouldn't go 30 minutes without praying. Walk and talk with God in the cool of the day. Converse with God. Spend time with God. Dine with God. Love God. Because He's first loved you. Prayer is how you date your God. Many of you guys are single in this room. God says He want to be your date. But you do it through prayer. He want to hang out with you, but to do it for prayer. You go out to eat with everybody but God. You watch movies with everybody but God. You spend time with everybody but God. You text everybody but God. And God is saying, child, I'm your father. Abba, father, source, sustainer, provider, lover. God says, I want a divine romance with you. I want to hold hands with you. I want to dance with you. And the problem is, a protege of God wants his spirit 
But a parasite to God wants his stuff. If you just go to God for stuff, you may be a parasite, not a son. You may not be a daughter. You don't go to prayer to get stuff. You go to prayer to get the son. 